something's bothering you. It doesn't bother me, honey, that a piece of roast beef can't fix up. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Pops. A man works hard, then comes on home. Expects to find stew with that fine ham bone. He opens the door, then starts to look in. Say, woman, what's this stuff you cooking? Now that meat and no potatoes, I just seen right there like a green tomato. Here I'm waiting. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Laura Weber Davis, sitting in for Stephen Henderson. I'm also here with Ryan Patrick Cooper, producer of Culture Shift here on WDET. That's right. All that meat and no potatoes. We're going to give you all the meat and no potatoes. That's right. Yeah. Tomorrow. Nutrients. That's right. That's right. Just protein, straight up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's because uh, tomorrow during Thanksgiving, we're going to be providing you with a great soundtrack. We're calling it a very happy thanks listening. Uh, and it's a holiday soundtrack with soul and funk to feed your ears while you prepare for your holiday, whether you're preparing the turkey or driving around. We want to invite you to join us here on WDET because we're going to hope to entertain you throughout your day. Yeah, we put a lot of work into this special, and I love the way that the soundtrack turned out because it is very upbeat. It's kind of perfect cooking music as you're prepping your day and getting everything together. You can turn it on, just like a tur- turn it on, leave it, set it. Walk Enjoy. Away. Walk away. Cook. The fragrance will uh, permeate throughout <laughs> your house. Of w- The fragrance of WDET will join you with your A turkey. A feast for your ears. That's right. It, it really is. So let's talk also, we're going to get to some of the music that we're going to play as well to give you a, a bit of flavor, if you will, for the, the special. But let's talk, Ryan, about... Um, some of the cool, more entertaining aspects we have. It's really a variety hour. Uh, And I wanted to start with an interview that you did with Tony Michaels from the Parade Company. Yeah. um, About the history of the parade, because it's a special thing that happens every year here in Detroit. Yeah, it definitely is. And to me, as a journalist, it's one of those stories you see where, is is it kind of too obvious? Like, people forget about sort of the legacy of the parade, but it has a super captivating history to it. Number one, it's the second oldest parade in the country. I mean, this is right. OG level. I mean, it's 1924. <laughs> uh, only Philadelphia is older. Um, so when you look at that, um, it's got some interesting little little bits of history as you go throughout it. Well, don't give away too much. I know, I know. Let's I'm take, just so let's excited. Let's take a listen uh, to your interview with Tony Michaels. The sun is coming out. It's shining down brightly here on Woodward Avenue in Detroit. And here comes the J.L. Hudson Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's the broadcast of America's Thanksgiving Parade from 1963. Now in its 91st year, it's tied with New York for the second oldest Thanksgiving parade in the country. Only Philadelphia's is older. And believe it or not, some of the original floats from 1924 are still part of the parade today. And this is the goose, the enormous goose with the wings spread like a uh, fighter plane dragging the world's biggest golden egg. Mother Goose is the oldest float in the parade. As Tony Michaels, the CEO and president of the parade company, which operates the parade. This is the 91st year of Mother Goose. It's been remodeled numerous times. Mother Goose might be the oldest, but it doesn't hold the distinction of traveling the farthest to be in the parade. Many of the big, colorful papier-mâché heads you see marching in the parade were created in the seaside resort town of Via Reggio, Italy, where massive papier-mâché floats are staples at carnivals and parades there. How did they end up in Detroit? The story goes like this. With Philadelphia's parade growing in size in the early 1920s, 
Hudson's department store tasked their employees, like head of display Charles Wendell, to come up with something special for a Detroit parade. During a trip to Italy, Wendell saw the Italian floats and brought four of them back for the very first Detroit parade in 1924. Today, there's about 300 in the parade company fleet, some of them nearly seven feet tall, and many of them showing a glimpse of the Italian newsprint used to create them. Volunteers who wear the big heads in the parade have been a major part of their preservation over the years. And Tony Michaels says that sense of community is what got the parade started in the first place. Really a way of bringing community together and celebrating community is really how that all came together. And here it, it transferred itself right into Detroit, you know, back in the uh, you know early 1900s. And it just grew instantly from there. Now let's take it back in time and listen to a little bit more of that 1963 broadcast of America's Thanksgiving Parade in Detroit. Let's listen to it for a minute. All right, Ryan, that was your feature. You discussed uh, the, the history of the parade with Tony Michaels. And what I think is so interesting is even though I've grown up watching uh, the parade here in Detroit every year. I learned a lot both uh, about the history from you and also Tony Michaels was in here the other day speaking with Stephen. And uh, something I found out that was really interesting was how much people pay in donation to either be a clown in the parade right. or wear a paper mache head. <laughs> One yeah. of the paper mache heads you were talking about. So you'll see them. The, the big heads in the past 10 years have been completely revived by uh, volunteers, essentially. And they're awesome. They're really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, as the piece states, I mean, they come from Italy. You can, because some of them are still in disrepair and need to be fixed, you can see the, that Italian newsprint and, and see the era. And a lot of them are 40s and 50s. And they're really, really beautiful pieces. We wouldn't be able to see them in the parade for a long time. They weren't really around or very few of them were. Uh, but volunteers have come forward. And I believe it's... $250 to $250, wear a head. Which, that's the cost, and uh, that's, I mean, it, it's a little high, but people are seem into it, and it does keep these things alive. The thing that really gets to me is that you have to be outside and ready to march in that parade, I think about 5.30, 6 a.m., so that's a little intense. I've worn those big heads before. Oh, you have. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're pretty comfortable. I mean, they are giant paper mache heads. So they're as comfortable as a giant paper mache head can be. <laughs> um, I wore like this chimpanzee one that they had. Because um, like I said, they've been trying to raise money for these things for over a decade or longer. Um, so you got to be out there at 6 a.m. You got to put down 250. But it keeps a pretty interesting piece of Detroit history alive. Absolutely. So if you're into that sort of thing, there are opportunities to, to join in and actually be part of the second oldest parade in the country. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Ryan Patrick Hooper from Culture Shift is joining me right now. We are talking a little bit about the soundtrack we're providing you tomorrow and the uh, sort of variety hour we're going to provide you during your Thanksgiving as you prepare your turkey or you travel about the area to a relative's house. It's called the Very Happy Thanks Listening. We hope that you join us from noon to two. Let's take a little bit, let's take a listen to a little bit of the music we'll be playing. Here's James Brown, Mashed Potato Popcorn. Swing. Uh. 
by James Brown. Just a flavor of what you're going to get with the soundtrack. A very happy thanks listening here on WDET from noon to two tomorrow. Please tune in and join us. We're looking forward to entertaining you for a couple hours during your Thanksgiving holiday. Let's talk about two things, Ryan. Okay. First, uh, the prevalence of potatoes in music. We had no problem finding songs representing mashed potatoes, obviously because of the dance craze, right? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But there is, I think there's just a passionate group of people out there (laughs) that really, you know, they're they're into starches and they want to hear those starches uh, (laughs) musically as well. I am. I know I am. I'd sing about mashed potatoes all day long. But let's see. I mean, they, mashed potatoes are super prominent in, in, in food songs, I guess. I, I don't know why that is. But, well, it's the mashed um, potato craze partly, but let's talk about James Brown specifically. When you look for music um, that is, when you look for music that is food related, which we did, we spent a lot of time doing, you and me and a couple other folks here, um, James Brown comes up. A shocking number of times on right, the list. Right. Pass the peas. Pass the peas. He he was passionate about life. Mashed potato USA. Yeah. yeah. He was passionate about life, and that started with a, a diet, a <laughs> diet that I wouldn't recommend. Um, that would make you necessarily feel good. But James Brown was from another planet. I mean, I mean, that man was just. On and he danced level. so much, you knew he worked up an appetite every single day. Yeah, and someone else I have to to shout out didn't make the cut for the Thanksgiving uh, playlist that we'll have for you guys tomorrow. But Jill Scott, R and B singer Jill. Scott's been around for a long time. She writes some of the most beautiful songs. Every song about love that she has will quickly have a mention of food. Food and love for her go hand they in hand. They do go together. That's why it's such an. I actually am surprised that there aren't more soul singers who are consistently referencing food. Yeah. Because I know I feel very in love with my relatives when they cook for me. It's just, <laughs> it's the. The window to the soul is the food, don't you think? <laughs> totally. I couldn't have said it better. All right. So along with interviews and music, we're also going to be providing a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of fiction, if you will. Um, so reporting live from WDET, from the kids' table, here's a little report we put together. Welcome back. We go now to live coverage from the field. Reporter Laura Weber Davis is on the scene of the kids' table a popular location during the holidays. Laura? That's right, Tom. The kids' table has always been a hot spot on Thanksgiving and a place of mystery for parents. I'm here at the site of the kids' table. It's crowded. There's a bunch of kids around two of Grandma's card tables sitting in the folding chairs Aunt Linda brought over. We've got the plastic tablecloth all spread out, easily wiped down, which is a good thing because Jimmy's already spilled a glass of milk and ground his, quote, gross green beans down to a paste and spread them around the outsides of his plate. Okay, let's talk to a couple of the kids. Hi there, what's your name? Abby Junie. Okay, Junie, I see that you have uh, just a full plate of mashed potatoes. Uh, No gravy, just mashed potatoes. I like potatoes. All right. 
And over here we have Tim. Hi there, Tim. Uh, Tim skipped the main part of the meal today and has just three different types of pie on his plate. Apple, sweet potato, and pumpkin. Those are all fruits and vegetables. I should also note that Tim also worked his way through a large helping of potatoes. I like potatoes. Over here we have Malia. Malia has a full plate, well-rounded, a turkey, stuffing, green beans, cranberry sauce, very nice. Malia, what do you like at the kids' table? Well, Laura, the kids' table is actually a place for diplomacy, more like the United Nations than some conventional family picnic. It's a teachable moment in civics and political science for our developing minds. What we're doing here is really breaking down the walls of the patriarchal social infrastructure foisted upon us every day with downward and inequitable pressure. Uh, I actually just meant what food do you like to eat? Oh, potatoes. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this Thanksgiving. Reporting live from the kids' table, I'm Laura Weber-Davis. Throwing it back to you, Tom. Thanks for that report, Laura. Up next, we'll talk about Cousin Tony's awkward transition to the boring adult table in the dining room now that he's a freshman in college. Stay with us. Ooh, spoiler alert. We never get to Cousin Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, that is my absolute favorite piece that we have in Thanks Listening. That's airing tomorrow, 12 to 2. Well, big uh, big support from my nieces and nephews and yeah. my daughter, who were willing to be troopers and, and voice that for me. So that was nice. <laughs> Excellent reporting on your Thank part, you. Laura. I will uh, say, I remember, I have flashbacks when I listened to that piece of being absolutely. at the kids' table and wanting to be at the adults' table so badly. But I will tell you, once you make that transition to the adult table, you're like, man, I want to go back to the kids' table, especially that age, you know, 9, 10, 11, uh, being around my family that age around Thanksgiving and talking to them and seeing what they're into and what they have to say is right. always enlightening, and it's just good for the soul, absolutely. So the kids' table uh, in my family was in my grandma's living room, and we used it as an opportunity to watch MTV, which we were not allowed to watch in general, Ooh. and we would close the door so nobody knew we were watching MTV while we were eating Thanksgiving Dinner. But yes, I mean, I think the kids' table is a very formative experience for most of us. It's an opportunity to sort of socialize without the parameters of your parental lawmaking. Yeah, you get to know your cousins, and every family has a different age for when you're kind of welcome to the adult table. I think I was probably sitting at the kids' table until I was like 19, I'm 20. St I'm still there. You're still there? It's great. There's, rare, there's not many seats at the adult table, you, so sometimes you have no to There is no judgment out. about what your plate looks like. <laughs> That's true. All right, speaking of mashed potatoes, here's a little bit of mashed potatoes for you from Dee Dee Sharp.
listening to Detroit Today. I'm Laura Weber Davis. I'm here with Ryan Hooper from Culture Shift. We're two of the producers of a weekend special coming up for you. A very happy thanks listening here at WDET. Please join us. We want to entertain you for a couple hours on your holiday from noon to two tomorrow, again, repeating at midnight. So if you're driving home, listen to it again then. We're going to entertain you with music, interviews, skits. We have it all for you in a nice variety hour for you uh, here on your holiday. Again, I really encourage you to join us. We're hoping you have a happy holiday. Thank you, Ryan, for coming in and, and talking about the festivities. I am as as excited for Thanksgiving as James Brown is is as excited for mashed potatoes. I want to be as excited about anything as James <laughs> Brown is excited about everything. Yeah, if there's one thing I'm thankful for, it's it's James Brown this year. And I just want to live my life to the to the edge like James Brown did for Thanksgiving. That's what I'm going to do. What are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful for family and on that we're going to go out on Sly and the Family Stone. Perfect. Singing Family Affair. This is 1019 WDET Detroit's public radio station. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Thanks so much for joining us. Somebody that just loves to learn and another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. Mom loves the both of them. You see, it's in the blood. Both kids are good and bomb. Blood's thicker than the mud. It's a family affair.